All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and we have a very special episode for you now. Uh, this is going to be uh, the mid-season review of the first season of Resistance, and also a look ahead to what we might expect in the second half. And to do this, I am very honored for the first time I have a special guest on the show. And she is no stranger to any of you if you uh, have followed my tweets or in my comments on previous episodes. I reference her work a lot, and I'm very happy to have her today. It is Jonah Marie Macias. Jonah hey. Marie. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate this. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I figured you would jump at the opportunity to talk about resistance because oh, you seem yes, you seem to like it as much as I do. Yes. <laughs> and um I I have referenced your articles on culture as on it seems like almost every episode review now. And I very much appreciate that cuz I do tune in and I listen because I feel like you're the only person who does read them. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm sure there is more than that, but yes. <laughs> but I very much appreciate it. And uh, again, yes, thank you so much. Um, just to let people know, uh, this is going to be a very broad review of what we've seen so far. Um, I'm not going to get into, uh, unless it warrants it in the conversation, uh, this is not going to be a step-by-step -step, um, uh, episode review. Uh, if you would like to... Uh, listen to those episodes. Uh, they're on uh, the Radio Dakar feed on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, if you would like to go back and get details from a specific episode, but we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking about our overall impressions of the show, uh, what we've liked, um, where we hope it goes. Uh, but Jonah Marie, uh, I guess uh, just if you'll tell us, please, uh, your overall impressions of the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. So I. I particularly enjoyed how the series gives us a different perspective of what's going on before The Force Awakens kicks off. Uh, it, you know, it's still lighthearted and fun, but it also introduces interesting nuggets of information throughout Kaz's missions on the Colossus and off the Colossus. And I, I think they've done a fantastic job of creating what I think is a seamless story and, and having all the dots connect in compelling ways. No, that's really good points. Um, it, it, it's really it, the fact that yes, that they've been on the Colossus most of the time, but they have had the off uh, site missions uh, with Kaz and Poe mostly. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, at, when we first heard about the series, how would they go to different planets and then nearby systems or not? Um, even though they haven't, I think they've made good use of having one central location. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, and um, and and just seeing Kaz's growth, even though he may not think he's a great spy, I mean, you can see he's made progress. He has, yeah, and I like that he always thinks uh, quickly on his feet. He he knows what to do in a pinch. Yes, he does. Even though he usually just runs away screaming. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. Oh, do you have a favorite episode so far? I do. Um, my favorite, you know, it kind of depends on my mood with pretty much anything. Uh, any favorites, it always depends on my mood. So I, I'm constantly switching back and forth. But for a favorite episode, I'm going to go with Sonara's score. 
I, mm-hmm. I think Sonara is a fascinating character and I love the interactions between her and Tam in this particular episode. And um yeah, and I really can't wait to see more of her. I agree. Um I wondered how much, you know, involved she would be and then uh, just recently we got the preview of the next few episodes where she is in that as well. I know that got me really excited because I thought, yes, yes. they're, they're going to do something with this character, which is I'm really excited about. And I was hopeful since, you know, they she's in the first line of action figures. I know. Yeah. So that, that means something, you know. <laughs> um, also. Um, oh, I totally blanked. Um, yeah, I just wonder with Sonara and the and the pirates um I, I thought i thought maybe the further we go the more it'll be about just the first order but i was hoping we would see more of the pirates stick around um and sonara's score was well i, I will say pl- uh, platform classic I'm, i may consider the best episode because of what we got with yeager and his brother but sonara's score was my favorite too just because of the action we got i i think the pirate attacks on the station are my favorite set pieces so far oh yeah yeah because before that it was triple dark was my favorite so yes. yeah I, I very much like the the pirate storyline and how they fit into the puzzle yeah it's something i mean yeah we've seen the bounty hunters and everything but it, it is something kind of new especially since and you know, on buckets list and everything they've talked about it these guys are funded by the first order and that's why they're given the old imperial tech and kit bashed everything it's just really cool it's something we haven't seen before mm-hmm Um, so who's your favorite character so far? So favorite character, I mean, I love Kaz. Kaz is, I just identify with him so much. And I, I think a lot of people do as well. They just don't want to admit it. <laughs> and I, you know, he's a sweet and I, I call him a noodly boy because he's just all noodles, noodle arms, noodle legs. Mm-hmm. And, but I think ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm going to change it a bit and I'm going to go with Sonara because uh, even though, I've gone with Kaz in the past. I, I, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about her lately, and I'm going to call her my favorite, for now at least. What do you think uh, will ultimately happen with her? You know, I, I want her to... Because she's the kind of character that makes you want to see her do better. And mm-hmm. It's sort of like Agent Callus in Star Wars Rebels. You You want them to realize where they are in life and see how they can pivot and find a new path for themselves. So I I want that for this particular character, especially after having that conversation with Tam, where she feels like life has sort of given her a a deck of cards that, uh, you know, a hand of cards that haven't been favorable. So I I just, I want her to be able to make her own life and and make her own change and, and do better. Those are really good points. Um, I mean, she's not one of the main characters, but she's very much a recurring character. And yeah, you're right. It would be great to see that growth with her and find out more about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I would have to say my my favorite character is probably Yeager so far. Um, I think part of it is because um, Scott Lawrence, I've, I'm a big fan of his from his previous work. Um, but to see him like tackle an animated character like this who has so much history... Um, and uh, I'm kind of a sucker for anything related to the Battle of Jakku, so just to find out that he fought in it, and then um, you know we got the just the tragic 
backstory with his family. Um, there's just so much with him, and you can tell that he wants to get away from this all, but just circumstances are bringing him back in. Yeah, yeah, he's a fascinating character for sure. And I think my second most favorite is Tam, but I'm going to save that uh, discussion because I have another question to ask you that mm-hmm. uh, where I'll talk about her. Um, but next, um, what, what, what I think is one of the great things about the show is there's so much diversity, not only in the different characters, whether it be species or gender, um, but the all the voice talents who voice them almost match up to the same diversity. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about how, if you feel the same way or if you think um, what strides they made on the show for that reason? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think personally, like, this is the most diverse I've seen a Star Wars story go. <laughs> um, I mean, there's that you had mentioned already. There's the main lead, the Asian lead, and... You know, there's the, um, an alien, uh, there's two black characters, and there's a handful of women as well. So I, it's really fascinating, but it's also representative of the world we currently live in. And so I, I think it's important to highlight that stuff and, and the things that are happening right now and, and make them more common, because the more common it is, then, you know, it's the less that we have to talk about it in the future. And And I know for some people it's not important, but it's important to those who haven't seen themselves in a star Wars story. And I, I personally, personally, I can't wait for, um, the little Kazudas and the little Tams to be running around star Wars celebration. So, um, because, you know, obviously these characters mean a lot to them and, and especially to children and because that's what they represent them in that story. So, um, I love that Star Wars is trying to be more inclusive, especially in in the animation behind the scenes with the voice actors. And uh, I, I think they're doing a great job on the Star Wars resistance front. And it, it'd be really cool. And I know we, we both touched on it on Twitter. If these actors somehow portrayed their characters in a live action setting because they mm-hmm. look a lot like their characters. I think that would be really cool. I, I agree, and I've got to think that's no mistake. Um, it, I can't remember. I can't remember who to give credit to for this idea, but they pointed out, I mean, as much as we love the actors who played the main characters in Rebels, not all of them precisely matched what the design wound up to be. But in later seasons, in a lot of the guest characters were based on the voice actors. So you thought, well, maybe they've got that in the back of their mind for them to play them. And it seems like they went for it from the beginning with the Resistance cast. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see it. Um, and that's a great point, the fact that they, they kind of focused on it more for the later guests in Rebels, because I can see Fen Rao being played by his voice actor, because they look so much alike. And, oh man, I can already see it in The Mandalorian. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yes, yes, Katie Sackhoff, please. Oh yes, and Katie Sackhoff. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, well, actually, that leads right into my next question um you know in rogue one which by the way was a great example of diversity um all the stories you heard of uh i don't know if you read uh, like like the guy uh, the mexican uh, gentleman who took his dad to see the movie and he was like 
Cassian talks like we do. Yes. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That, that was just, that's the kind of representation you want to see. Um, so, but yes, Rogue One, you know, he had the great Rebels cameos, uh, like Chopper showed up and the ghost was in it and Hera's name was mentioned. Do you think they're setting it up for any resistance characters to make cameos in episode nine, perhaps? Yeah, that's a great question. And I find myself thinking about it from time to time. But I, I, ultimately, it's hard to say, because if they have a cameo, then that means that they'll survive the series. I mean, not that that, that they're planning to kill these characters off. Maybe they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it sort of gives you gives the story away. Like, oh, you know, um, this person will end up in this situation later on. Um, you know, so if if there's one character who makes a cameo in episode nine, I, I personally would love it to be Tam. Um, Tam to me has so much potential, um, uh, for becoming a pilot for the resistance. And, mm-hmm. um, and like what we had mentioned just recently, it was just that Susie McGrath looks like her character. So I, I can definitely see this happening somewhere in the background. And, um, if it doesn't happen, then a, a name drop would suffice for me because uh, that that's all you to be honest, that's all I need to be able to freak out in the movie theater. <laughs> oh, yes, I would, too. Um, I, I think that might be where we're heading, especially if uh, the resistance is fighting on multiple fronts and they make mention of. Yeah, you know, if they come up with a name like Colossus Squadron or something and they mention that, you know, Kaz and Tora are defending whatever planet i mean all they all they'd have to do is that and i'd be thrilled yes yeah i agree <laughs> um but you know i do wonder and i know donald Faison like pleaded for it on uh star wars show one week but um i, I could totally see hype joining the resistance and you know just having a quick cockpit shot during the final space battle or something like that yeah and you can easily pull it off because it would have to be, you know, part makeup effect and, and part CG. So uh, his voice is just the only thing that you'd bring into it, and, and it could totally work. Yeah, there's, there are possibilities. but um, And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in just a little bit about how concurrent they are going to be with Episode Nine. I guess it depends on the time jump. Uh, you know, there's that conjectural point about John Boyega saying it takes place a year later, but we don't know that for sure yet. Um, but... Uh, moving on to my next question, you know, the overall arc of this season is uh, Kaz is there to find somebody on the Colossus to find somebody who's sympathetic to the First Order and is pretty much a spy for them. Who do you think that is? You know, I was looking back at the first season of the first half of the season, and I honestly think this, uh, you know, quote unquote, First Order spy business is something we conjured up as the fans. And I know Poe tells Kaz to find out who's loyal to the resistance and who's not, but there isn't an active resistance presence on the Colossus. So why would the first order need a spy there to begin with, you know? And it it makes me, it it makes more sense to plant someone within the resistance ranks. Um, But then again, you know, Yeager had that awesome line in, I think it was in Sonara score, when he said um, something along the lines of, Kaz, you, you were never the only spy on this station. Yes, um, yes. And, and I know that was alluding to Sonara and, and her pirate activities, um, but it could be alluding to something else that we just don't know about yet. So, 
Um, you know, whether it's there's a person communicating with the First Order in secret, I, I don't know. And I, I, it's hard to believe that it's anyone in the immediate group that Kaz surrounds himself in. Uh, that would be a really shocking thing to discover if, if, they, if they were to reveal something like that. See, I think it's Tam. Really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I've heard that before, but still, it still shocks me to hear that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think it was episode two where I started to form that theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, she, you know, she doesn't, even though she's in the inner circle, she doesn't know what Kaz is there to do. So, and, you know, Yeager would be an easy target, but I mean, he, why would, why, if he's the spy, would he allow somebody to spy on him? Um, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, and Tam is, you know, we got the story of the background where she was a pilot from Kuwait. And then based on what she, she also told Sonara, um, I, I've just kept that in the back of my mind that it could be her who's there to gain, gain favor perhaps with the first order and show her worth. Um, but in the backstory of, Oh, I lost my ship. So I need to crash here and, you know, rebuild my life is a good enough excuse. Um, Mm. I may, I may may be totally off on this, but she, unless it's one of the aces who we don't know that much about and they can, you know, fill in the backstory. I I think it's, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with her until proven otherwise. Fascinating. Fascinating. We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) Yeah. And you may be right. Maybe it is just a, a conjured thing to get the resistance presence on there. Right. Uh, I actually like that point. Um, now, you, you actually talked about it in one of your articles. Um, what do you think it w- will wind up happening to Kaz's father? Oh, yeah. I loved that one. That was like the only... <laughs> I mean, I love writing my articles, but that was the one that I was just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really think this would happen. But when it when it came up in the episode... It just clicked with me, and uh, yeah, I, I I think he is part of the uh, war profiteering business, and um, it, it would explain why they're. I mean, they haven't put too much emphasis on it, but they have mentioned before that they're a wealthy family, and that Cass comes from wealth, and yeah, they could have gotten that wealth through um, you know legitimate means, but I honestly think that with the senators being so corrupt as Leia has expressed before, I I can see Kaz's father being one of those senators and it would be a fantastic uh, conflict between Kaz's father and, and Kaz. I, I, I agree. And I, it's a lot better story than he dies when, Hosnian Prime is destroyed. Right. Yeah, I do um, not it, want that to happen. <laughs> no, that's that's the unfortunate thing about that whole thing is like anytime you hear someone mention Hosnian Prime, you think, oh, they're going to die. You know, <laughs> obviously we don't want. Oh, we hope they didn't happen to Cordy on uh, oh. uh, All Stars, but no, no she, I can't. My my heart can't handle that. <laughs> no, I, I think I can't remember. I think it was Bill Motz who said, no, 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 she was on a mission to the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, when, when you first heard that who Cass's father was, and he was like, oh, no, well, he's going to have to deal with his death, and that's going to be your episode about, you know, kids learn how, you know, you have to deal with loss. But, you know, it struck me in that first episode, they bothered to get a voice actor to play him, but 
you know, that, that garbled transmission excuse, you know, they never showed him. So I, I keep thinking he's going to show up later with an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I, I totally buy the profiteering angle. Yeah, or maybe he'll be our cameo in episode nine. If he hasn't died, that is on Hasby and Brian. <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to think, like, if the First Order had that many conspirators in the Senate, maybe they intentionally got them off planet. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, his dad has a part to play still. Yes, for sure. Um, now, you, you know, people who follow your work know um, you have been very diligent in your a study of Dave Filoni works, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels, going back to even when he was on uh, worked on Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, since you are so familiar with his work, what, what even though he's just the executive producer on Re- uh, Resistance, what influences have you seen on the show of his? Yeah, you know, I wish I could say I have a degree in in Dave Filoni. <laughs> You know, having studied him in college or something. Um, no, I, I mean, I wish I knew more about his his works, but there's still a lot more that I need to learn about Mr. Filoni. But um, I, I love the the the, the Fenris surname has um, is part of Freya's name, mm-hmm. and you know the whole wolf thing because we know he loves wolves, and I love that Bo Kevil is a uh, Keldor, and and we know that he's also a fan of that species. Um, but I mostly see Dave's influence um, in the in the seamless storytelling that I had mentioned before. I mean, there's a lot of to me, there's a lot of Robotech vibes coming off of this series. And I feel like a lot of that comes from him planting that as an inspiration for those working on the show. And uh-huh. so anytime anything remotely Robotech inspired pops up in the in a series, I automatically think of Dave. I'm like, yeah, that's that's because of Dave. <laughs> I I don't know. I I haven't you know watched as much as you have of his works, but the one thing I have I took away from Rebels that I've been keeping an eye on with Resistance is there's no such thing as a throwaway episode. No. We we <laughs> learned that with Space Whales. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, and I've noticed. I think it really paid off. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the episode title, but um, you know, having you know, Jace Ruckland in such an early episode uh, lose his uh, racer, and then you know, a few episodes later, you see him, you know, working a side job in the tower to you know pay for a new racer. So you know, they bring the ideas back. Nothing's been wasted so far, even though it's you know ten or eleven episodes in so far. Exactly. Yeah, they they've done a really great job of of weaving in things and and you know leaving them hanging and then continuing them later on. So uh, I I can't wait to see what threads they've introduced in the first half of the season and see how they continue in the second half. Agreed. Um, now you were one of the um, lucky few who got to do that press junket before the season started at Lucasfilm. You got to talk to. Um, some of the creators, some of the actors. Um, and I, I spent an episode reporting on uh, what all you, um, what everybody told us in their articles. Um, was there anything that was mentioned there or, you know, something you picked up that we haven't yet seen on the show? Yeah, there, um, I mean, I had written it in my article, but 
there was this quote that Donald Faison had expressed um, when talking about his character. And and I pulled it up because I, I wanted to make sure I got the right wording. But he said, quote, Hype's character will go through things that make him way more human than he is. Right now, what you see from him is the introduction. You'll learn more about him and how he is with other people. And and so, I mean, we haven't really seen that yet. We haven't really seen much of the aces, especially hype. So mm-hmm. um, I, I want to learn more about him and and how, you know, this quote fits in to the picture. Yeah, I, I think there's, especially after, I think it was the Hightower, when, when we learned he, you know, he doesn't, you know, he stays away when the First Order shows up. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the Hightower. Yeah, I from then on I thought he's yeah something major is going to happen with him. I, my theory is he joins the resistance. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's a great point. Thanks for reminding us of that quote. Um, is there anything so, from your research that you picked up that you still want to see? N- not particularly. Um, you know, I kind of focused on you know what what hadn't we seen in that initial trailer we got and. Um, whatever that sea monster is, I know that's coming. Oh uh, yeah, the sea yeah. monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, it's nice to know the whole. There are other threats besides you know just the invading ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that was that wasn't that, see that was set up. I think in the first episode when Niku mentions there, you know, you're 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 little and there, there are big things down there that can eat you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. I, it wasn't yeah it wasn't so much uh, information i knew you would be uh, you know, since you had gone to that you might have picked something up but yeah just keeping an eye on what what we've seen in previews that that seems to be about the only thing they revealed so far that we haven't really seen mm-hmm. um but so there's well depending on how you treat the first episode whether it's one or two episodes we're about you know we're about 11 episodes in there's 10 or so to go um in this first season um, what do you, what are your predictions for the second half of the season? And what do you think is the likelihood of a second season? And what would that be like? Mm. So I think there's, uh, there's a handful of things that were introduced in the first half of the season that I think need to come back in some form or another. So I think one of them, um, in terms of predictions as obviously Kaz's father, and we had talked about, that and I can see that being a thread that pops up again in the second half. Um, I also see Kel and Ayla from the Tehar mm-hmm. Tahar episode coming up again. I don't know how they would factor in, but I can see that being something that pops up. And um, obviously, I think Sonara is going to be a, an integral character moving forward. Um, because of her knowledge, especially of the First Order and the pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, last, I, I think I, I definitely want to see Tam taking flight in the fireball. Like, that needs to yes. happen. She needs to be up in the air and demonstrate to the audience and, and her friends that, you know, what she's made of. And, uh, you, you know, her being so determined, I, I really want to see that happen for her. That, yes, that's a great point. We we have all the talk about her flying. We have not seen her in the cockpit. Exactly. Yeah. And great point about the children of Tahar. Um, yeah, you've got to think that's going to pay off somewhere else. Um, I wonder if um, 
whether it's later this season or maybe next season, if they start to go off planet more, maybe we go to Tahar. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that would be fascinating. And then, oh, that would be so sad, too. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but um, but as for your second part of the question, you know, I'm, I'm curious how far they're going to take this show. Um, you know, at the press junket, I, I was the one who had asked about the timeline. And um, Brandon Amon and Justin Ridge had mentioned how we'd get into the Force Awakens territory. So... I wonder how much farther they're planning to take it. And to be honest, I don't think we're going to be getting those answers anytime soon, um, sadly. But personally, um, I only see the show going maybe like two seasons, maybe three. But it's hard to say where they're planning to take it because it's, it's so different from what has come before. And it's definitely more difficult to predict. You're exactly right. We don't know the true end game. You know, with with Rebels, we knew there was always the opportunity to bump up against well, what turned out to be Rogue One and A New Hope, and Clone Wars had a three year period where it could only be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, of course, after December, we'll have more answers with Episode Nine. Um, as far as the, the what they they've already confirmed, there will be overlap with Force Awakens. Do you think that'll be like at the very end of this season or maybe in the next few episodes? Yeah, someone someone on Twitter mentioned that um it'd be interesting to see that being touched upon on the end of this first season and them possibly doing something along the lines of the last Jedi in the second season. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that would be awesome. Um but I don't know. I feel like they're they're for some reason this show gives me the vibe that they're not going to go that deep into the timeline um i don't know what it is about it but i just i i don't see it going far uh, even though i love it and then the content is amazing and, and what we've been learning about it has been amazing but i i feel like it's more self-contained in that it's not going to keep on going and going and going so uh yeah that's my take on it that's fair. Um, I mean, I you know, obviously have no inside information, but my guess is maybe with maybe like four episodes to go in the season, that's when we'll see the red light in the sky and we'll know that Hosnian Prime bought it. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and then that way they've got, you know, three or four episodes to p- overlap the events of the movies. Because, you know, if you think about it, Force Awakens and Last Jedi take place together over, what, maybe two weeks? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. So they'd have time to, and I'm imagining, spoilers for all stars, but I'm imagining something very similar to after Moxie saw the destruction of Hosnian Prime and they started to get radio transmissions. Maybe those show up at the Colossus too so they can find out what happened. And then, then, you know, Kaz has to deal with, well, what happened to my dad? And, um, And then as the events unfold, maybe that's when the First Order makes a full invasion. Um, as per the crawl of Last Jedi, and then they find out word about the survival at Crate. Maybe that's the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, t- total speculation. But then, you know, the second season could be whatever that year or whatever gap is until Episode Nine. And then once we've seen Episode Nine, we know where the endpoint is. I mean, maybe, maybe that's season three. Interesting. You know, I didn't see it that way. I could. I, I definitely can now. 
Um, so let's let's hope that's how it pans out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I'm just excited with what they've been doing with it. So, um, you know, no no complaints so far. I, I, well, I say that I, I would like to have seen more of the aces. That's I, true. I thought, yes. Yeah. I, I, when they hyped, hyped the show and told us what it was about, I thought there'd be more racing, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe that, maybe this in the second half. We'll see. Uh, here's hoping. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely yeah. want to know more about them. Yes. Uh, the, yeah. I think they're pro- probably keeping them mysterious for a reason. So hopefully we'll find that out. Mm. Um, but before we wrap up any closing thoughts on uh, what we've seen with resistance. No, I mean, I, I just, I just love how, I just love what they've been doing with it. And, you know, they're keeping it fun and new and refreshing. And I hope they continue to do that with Resistance and especially with any other content they have on their way. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of fans have their opinions and such, but I hope that doesn't um, move them away from what their vision is for anything that they have um, baking in the oven, essentially. So yeah. I, 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 I would really like to see more of this moving forward. So would I. All right, Jonah Marie, I cannot let you go without talking about your blueberry. Yes, my blueberry. <laughs> um, uh, that was. I mean, I've mentioned it on the show before the the ending of rebels where we found out what their fates were and then we found out that there is another adventure to come i I just want your your guess or your opinion will the search for ezra be an animated movie or will it be a series oh oh great question you know i i personally want it to be a, a series because it allows you to know the characters more, um, see where they're going and understand their actions and and such. So I, I definitely want to see a series um, when it comes to the search for Ezra. Um, a movie is, is okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I feel like that would wrap up very quickly and, and I need to see the the process and and maybe some of the aftermath you know like what what happens after that so um and a movie wouldn't be able to cover all of that and uh and anything else would be and you know okay as well but you know like a comic book or a novel but i i definitely want a series for when it comes to the search for ezra I think that's probably what we get after they wrap up Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, uh, Dave owes me that. <laughs> yes. I mean, no, he doesn't owe me anything. But <laughs> but well, I he, really, really, really want to see that as a series. Well, he just set it up so perfectly for one more season of fun with these characters. I know. And I, I like I want to see that pan out in, in the form of a series. So do I. Well, Jonah Murray, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Resistance and other Star Wars. Uh, I hope um, maybe you'll um, join me at the end of the season when we do a full wrap-up. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do that for sure. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And may the Force (laughs) be with you. May the Force be with you. And for those of you who don't already follow Jonah Murray, you can find her on Twitter and other social media at BlueJagueEyes. That's B-L-U-E. J-A-I-G-E-Y-E-S. And she's also uh, at the Wookiee Gunner, 
which I've referenced on the on my Twitter feed before. That is at T-W-G-S-I-T-E. And uh, also, uh, you can follow her at Geeky Bubble Pod, where she uh, does re- resistance reviews as well. At Star Scavengers, which I referenced a lot on the Roger review because that was uh, her and Aaron Goins' um, Freemaker Adventures review. And also, um, you can look up uh, the Team Canaan, um, uh, hanging with Team Canaan uh, on uh, iTunes as well. That was her and Katrina Dennis and Jeremy Conrad reviewing uh, Rebels. Uh, both those podcasts were tremendous influences for what I'm doing now. Uh, so thank thank you again, Jonah Marie, for joining, and uh, please follow her on uh, social media as well. I'm going to wrap up this uh, episode by talking about all the shorts that we got for Resistance. Uh, it was a nice little treat that we got where there were 12 um, just one-minute shorts of kind of day-in-the-life resistance action. Uh, I figured it would be appropriate to talk about it mid-season because that's that's what we got it for. Uh, just running through, uh, very like I say, very quick. They were only a minute long. Uh, we had the Search for Kaz, which was an entirely point-of-view episode for BB-8 where uh, Yeager asked him to go find... Kaz, so we see BB-8 looking around, and he's in the marketplace, he runs into Buggles, and uh, my audience has joined me now, Um, and then uh, BB-8 makes his way to Aunt Z's, Uh, no luck there, and then uh, he eventually finds Kaz, who needs him to find Yeager, so just a neat little trip around uh, the Colossus from BB-8's point of view. Uh, you know, you get how what, what life is like that close to the ground, and uh, like his camera view, I guess you could say. Really neat. Uh, dart and cover is, uh, is, is the only other time since the pilot that we've got to see them playing darts at Anzis. Uh, Kaz having a friendly game with Tora. And then we find out that Bucket is quite the good uh, darts player, uh, even when he wants to do trick shots and uh, get it in uh, Kaz's rear end. That, that, this one was really fun. I, I love any action on Z's. Uh, we've got Niku's Reward, where um, Yeager um, is buying lunch for Cat for uh, Niku, and they're out on the um, at the marketplace again. And uh, of course, he wants a, a Gorg, so they go to uh, buy one. It gets away. You know, hilarity ensues. Uh, we get to see that. Um, one merchant again, real quick. The one we think is a, a Bothan, but we're not sure. And I, I do. Uh, I will point out uh, they also mentioned Bantha milk again. And I mentioned this back on, I think the Secrets and Holograms review. It's neat that they're not just calling it blue milk; that it's actually Bantha milk. Uh, let's see. The next one is when thieves drop by. Okay, this one. This one was insane. Flix and Orca basically are, there's a robbery attempt at Acquisitions, and they're playing along, they're like, oh, you know, take our, take our hard-earned money, take our, take our supplies, and then they uh, proceed to show how like, crazy and sadistic they are, and they pile up the thief with, I know, it's a lot of, a lot of formula, dude, um, they uh, pile up the thief with, uh, you know, crates and everything, and it, it's kind of like if you've seen 
uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, you know, Friar Tuck, Friar Tuck wouldn't kill anybody, but uh, there's that corrupt um, uh, clergyman, and then um, you know, Friar Tuck's like, "I'll send you on your way," and oh, here's all your gold, and your and your um, oh, your reward. You know, so he piles up, uh, you know, so much gold that you know he loses the balance and he falls out the window. So they're they're doing that too. They're piling all this up, and also they're like, "Oh, step to the right," and uh, and trying to get him over a trap door. And it made me think of uh, when Mr. Burns would do that uh, in his office at the power plant on The Simpsons. So, uh, yeah, this is just crazy. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they send um, the thief on his way down the trap door, but they manage, you know, Flix manages to catch all the cargo, so they don't lose anything. And then, um, you know. His, the thieves' brother shows up, and they are about to do the same thing to him. Uh, the next one is treasure chest. We get more of Flix and Orca, and also Sonara. Um, Jonah Marie and I just spent a lot of time talking about Sonara. It was uh, neat to see her in one of these shorts. Uh, she's at um, at the docks, and they uh, salvaged from the ocean a crate of what turns out to be imperial thermal detonators. You know, you, you'll recognize. The design is the one that Leia was going to use in Jabba's palace. Um, and then, you know, it turns out they're active, and Flix and Orca are freaking out, thinking they're going to be blown up, and they don't want to blow up acquisitions, even if they escape. So, you know, they manage, uh, they, they think they deactivated them. And they're, they're so happy, they're like, we're alive! And it, but then, you know, it, they, they throw, toss it back into the water and it explodes and then Sonara shows up uh, offering another mystery crate which I thought was, I don't know if it was intentional but it was you know, kind of a neat tie-in to uh, like Battlefront and other other games where you know you have a mystery crate and you open it to get your daily reward or whatever uh, so yeah just and there, well, actually there's well, there's another Flix and Orca right after this it's GLN um, Glenn who is our um, pit droid and the mascot of this show because I found my 12-inch figure. Uh, they're at Aunt Z's and they offer uh, Glenn a blurg fire, which is a very potent, potable. <laughs> yes, that's a Celebrity Jeopardy reference. And then you know, you know you see it's one of those great you know all the stuffs happening in the background while Flix and Orca are talking to Aunt Z, and you see Glenn basically go crazy from all from the intoxication and he gets you know he's trying to fight off other patrons and has to be subdued uh yeah these three in a row it was i love flix and orca and just seeing them not just selling stuff to kaz and you know getting into some crazy stuff that that was fun i i, I think i meant i don't remember what episode but i did mention if they ever decided to do a Flix and Orca episode, I would be for it, and we 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 kind of got that with uh, these three shorts. So that that was really cool. Might have been my favorite of the of the bunch. Uh, next we get Bucket's Quest, where he lost his helmet, so he's going around looking for it. Uh, I didn't mention it, but it's not the first time you see Bucket without his helmet on, uh, because that was in uh, Dark and Cover, uh, the second short. So you see what his head looks like, you know, without the helmet on. Uh, so he's going around looking for it. Turns out BB-8 has it, and BB-8 looks really cute wearing it. Uh, but that means, you know, Bucket, because he went to acquisitions, he wound up with a different uh, hat. It's 
like you know a traditional beanie with a little propeller on top and you know they kind of get into a scuffle bucket gets his hat back and or his helmet back and then so we see bb8 wearing the beanie uh, next is unmotivated uh, which hype takes his droid r4 to acquisitions um, to get his motivator repaired uh, oh more flicks and orca and uh, you know r4 is not having it so he's trying to escape from orca and he shocks him and uh, oh shoot uh, i think it was triple dark uh, it was either that or the one after it uh where we also saw niku get shocked and it's the classic cartoon trope of you know when when you get electrocuted you see the skeleton kind of a thing and so we got that here with orca i mean that's a bit of a stretch for star wars you know not not realistic but what the heck it's a kid's show and it's animated it's fun uh, so um it's basically just them chasing r4 around the, the shop to try to um get him rebooted for um so they can work on his motivator uh, the need for speed is next. Okay, well, yeah, we get several racing ones at the end. And talked about it with Jonah Marie. Uh, mentioned it on a previous, I think when I did the comic book review. Um, there's been less racing on the show than I expected. Overall. So it was really great to see uh, the ra uh, more racing here. In, in different types, too. Um, the need for speed was basically a you know number one contender race. So you have all the aces, but this one is purely trash talk between Hype and Tora. And so Donald Faison and Myrna Velasco got to go back and forth. Would love to know if they were in the studio together, just bouncing off each other with this. And also, you know, with Hype being in the previous short, um, it looks like they just let Donald Faison, you know, have some fun because, you know, he's in this one he's just trash talking, and the previous one. He's worried for R4. He's like, don't hurt my baby. And they start screaming when, you know, they're going after him. Uh, you could tell he was having just tons of fun recording this. And as, as we talked about in the mid-season review, we, I hope we get more of him in perhaps a live action. Um, so, yeah, the trash talk between Hype and Tor just continues the whole race. Really awesome. Uh, we move on to the rematch. Which, it, it's Tora helping Kaz with a friendly, not, not even, what, what she says is not a race, just helping with the fire, a test of Fireball's boosters. Kaz, of course, is going to treat it more of a race. Um, you know, they're just doing trick flight, uh, testing out the ships. Uh, Kaz's uh, throttle breaks, so looks like he's going to crash into the Colossus. You know, manages to get it correct, get it you know, temporarily fixed and it manages to get the fireball into the hangar at um, Yeager's shop. And he does the same um, move that Poe did in The Last Jedi, which I thought was really cool. I don't know if, you know, they planned that or not, but where they kick in like the little um, landing jets on, on the fireball so he can have a soft landing even though he's out of control, which was, you know, uh, Poe had to do it to get um, to get into the hangar quickly so they could go to light speed at the beginning of the Last Jedi. So that was neat to see uh, the same technology used. Uh, next one was sixty seconds to destruction. Uh, this is uh, you know it's all the aces again, but this time it's one of the um, 
uh, escort the cargo ship in deals. But what's great about this is we get all the aces uh, doing a um, doing voice work. We've got Stephen Stanton uh, as Griff uh, doing a little bit more. But then we also hear Bo Keeble for the first time, so he gets a line in this one. And the freighter's out of control. Um, they they you know it looks like another triple dark, and they say they were, uh, had a pirate attack, so they're heading towards the Colossus. So all the aces do the really cool trick of attaching themselves to the freighter and then like in revert and reverse position so that they can use their thrusters to slow the ship down and then oh I can't, I can't remember if he's been named yet but one of the uh, workers of the Colossus who's always in the background you know he sees them coming in and he's just standing there freaking out and of course they slow it down to the point where it does the classic cartoon uh, not even a cartoon it's been done in movies where they slow it down and it hits the rail and it goes ping Old tricks are the best tricks. That that was funny. I, I will go for that every time. All right, uh, last one is kind of a cliffhanger almost. Uh, it's Buggles Day Out, so we see more of Tora's um, pet Buggles, and uh, Kaz is gonna dog sit him for just a little bit. Um, so of course immediately he's eating food and running out right out of the hangar, and he's. You know, kind of going after what looks like a four-eyed pelican. That was a really neat design. I like that. Um, and you know, he's bouncing around. Kaz is trying to chase after him without falling into the water. And then Buggles goes back into the hangar. Torres uh, comes back. And then it turns out Buggles got in the cockpit and he flies the fireball out of the hangar. And that's 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 how we end it. So I wonder if there'll be resolution to that. But that's it. That's all twelve. Uh, they were fun. Like I say, nothing critical to the plot, just more day in the life stuff. That we, we, you know, a lot of this stuff is the things I had mentioned here and there. It's like, oh, I would love to see this. I would love to see more of this. Um, it, well, we got it. Uh, you know, it's one minute shorts, but a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, thanks to the, the creators for doing this, and you know, they did about three or four at a time, but now they're all on the Disney Now app. Um, so. Yeah, just something to get us by, um, you know, fill it in a little bit more in the same spirit almost as the, the comic book stories are doing. Just more resistance content, and we love it. But that is the mid-season review. Thank you again to Jonah Marina CS. Yes, yes, I, yes, thank, thank you to my audience for sitting through this part. But thank you to Jonah Marie uh, for joining me. I, I greatly appreciate that. She was my first guest, and it means a lot to me. Uh, to get another voice on the show, a uh, different perspective. And uh, thank, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back um, uh, coming up in less than a week with uh, the, the review of the first episode of the second half of the season. Uh, we'll continue on through the season. Um, I hope to have Joanna Marie back for a, a full season wrap-up. Uh, if, any, if any other news breaks, uh, like a second half trailer or anything like that, I'll report on it. Until then, uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. The episodes are on iTunes and SoundCloud. And for my live studio audience, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, may the Force be with you.